Hey everyone, my name is Christopher Price. Welcome back to another episode of Brass Bonanza, a Whalers podcast dedicated to keeping the memory of our favorite hockey team alive. This week's guest is Peter Sidorkowitz. Peter was a goaltender for the Whalers from 1985 to 1992. But before we get things started, want to let you guys know that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For the latest odds, totals, player performance prompts to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage that is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, let's get to our conversation with Peter Sidorkowitz. Hey, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Want to jump right into this with the start of your Whalers career, going all the way back to the beginning of your Whalers career. After being drafted by Washington, you were dealt to Hartford. What sort of preconceived ideas did you have about the team and the franchise at that time? Well, I was I knew a little bit about it because uh, at the time I was playing in Binghamton and we were sharing the uh, the affiliate with Washington and Hartford. So Emil Francis would come down there to watch us play sometimes. And, you know, so you got to know the general manager and all of a sudden, it was, I guess it was just before the deadline there, uh, one year that um, both Dean, Dean Evison and myself got traded for David A. Jensen. So I, I thought it was a good move from on for me personally and for my hockey career because I was uh, well down in the depth chart with um, with Washington. So I thought, you know, this is going to hopefully lead to a quicker uh, opportunity to get to the NHL. And you had sort of a unique minor league experience and you touched on it there. And that you were dealt from Washington hard for two teams that shared a minor league affiliate. You were a minor leaguer yeah. when the deal was made. You didn't have to change a whole lot when when the trade was made. What was that experience like for you? Well, probably the most unique thing was uh, when we were in Binghamton. So the there were two goalie stalls. So this is kind of a unique thing. And the the Hartford was the main the main parent club for the Binghamton Whalers. Mm-hmm. So the Hartford goalie got the bigger goalie stall, and I was with Washington <laughs> at the time before the trade. So I got the smaller stall. So when I got traded, I, I got moved into the bigger stall. So <laughs> that was <laughs> that was kind of funny. You, you were called up in 1987. You ended up sticking with the team shortly after that. What was the transition to Hartford and NHL life like for you? Well, it was. It seemed like it took forever. I thought I uh, put up some good years in Binghamton there. And uh, I think it was in 87, I got to play one game. The Whalers got off to like a 0-6 or 0-7 start. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I got called up and they put me into a game in Washington at that time. So here we are, the Whalers, we were uh, winless. And uh, we're going into Washington, who's uh, back then, they were, they had a really good team. And I went in there and I think I got beat like 6 nothing or 6-1 or something. But uh, that was the first time I really believed that I could play. Like, even though I gave up six goals, I thought I had a good game, which sounds crazy. But uh, that was the first time, you know, that, okay, I, I've, I've actually played in a real NHL game other than exhibition games. And it was just like, I had the feeling that, okay, if I get an opportunity, like uh, 
more than one game, I think I can prove myself. You were also part of a veteran team at that time. That 87 Whalers team was full of guys who, not necessarily older, but guys who are already established in the National Hockey League. What was the transition from being a younger player to, to joining a team with a lot of established guys? What was that, what was that process like for you? Well, it was like some of the guys I knew from training camp and a lot of the guys I knew, uh, I had played with them in Binghamton, like the Kevin Deneens, Paul McDermott, uh, uh, Dean Evason, and there was a bunch of guys, Alf Samuelson. There was quite a few guys that started uh, with the, the Binghamton Whalers. So at least when I went there, at least I, I knew, um, you know, it enough of the guys that you, you feel comfortable with. And, uh, you know, and I got called up a couple different times for like in the playoffs, somebody would get hurt and I'd, I'd go there and stuff like that. So I, I, I kind of knew most of the guys and, and they were always, uh, it was a good bunch of guys there and they were very welcoming to young players and they tried to help you along. So I didn't think that was a big, uh, big deal. What was the opportunity like when it came to backing up Mike Liu? Well, it was, it, it was really good because, uh, Mike's a class act and, and he'd been through a lot in his career. And you just look at uh, some of the stuff he'd done. He'd played in the Canada cup, uh, all-star and everything. And all of a sudden here we are in the same team with him. And it was pretty, it's pretty amazing because for a number of years, you're sitting there watching this guy play on TV, do all the great things with St. Louis and then Hartford and you watch him play in the Canada cup. And all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting beside him in the locker room and uh, Mike was always very good to me. And I remember even later on him when I was coaching in the OHL, he was a player agent and I'd run into him and, you know, have a chat with him. So, no, Mike was a great guy. 80, 89, you had, at least statistically, your best season at the NHL level, starting 44 games. You finished fourth in the Calder voting. You're 11th in Vesna votes. What was clicking for you that season? Well, I don't know. Because I... I that was really the first year I played, you know, a full season in the NHL. And I always, I don't know, I go to training camp and I was always, I think I was probably my own worst enemy. I was always worried about, Oh, you know, what's going to happen and everything. And the pro my last season in being the, the season prior to that, uh, Larry Plo got hired by the Whalers. He took over for Jack Evans. And, um, so the, the following year when I went to, uh, to Hartford, I, I just had a different sense of confidence and uh, just an ease about me because I played like three and a half years for Larry in Binghamton. And he was one of my bigger supporters. And uh, he was always great to me, like with, as a hockey player and as a person. And uh, all of a sudden, so when I got there that year, I thought, you know what? And I kind of almost gave up a, a dream of playing in the NHL before that season. And I bought a house back in Oshawa where I grew up and I thought, you know what, I got a, I think a two-year contract, decent money in the American league. And so I thought, you know what, I'll play two more years and go back home and go to work in General Motors with all my buddies. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I went to camp and I just had a different feeling. Cause like, I didn't feel like I had to prove anything. You always do. But uh, with Larry being the coach, it just, uh, he kind of knew what I was about and stuff like that. And all of a sudden some, some dominoes just fell into place. Like at training camp, uh, Mike was there, obviously, and then Richard Berger was supposed to be the backup, and he came in uh, a little bit out of shape, and things didn't go so well for him at the beginning of the year, and all of a sudden they decided to keep three guys, and I was the third guy to start, and all of a sudden they decided to 
send uh, Richard Berger down to the uh, to the uh, miners back to Binghamton. So all of a sudden it was Mike and I, and and then all of a sudden I just got to play a little bit, and, you know. And we had a pretty decent team that year, and uh, you know things worked out for me. I played I played some decent hockey, and like you say, probably statistically it was my best season. And wish I could have had a few more. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was where did that frustration come from where you say you, you you were thinking about giving up the game you were you know you bought a house back home again you were thinking about going to work for General Motors what was the source of that frustration was it health was it just like you said you know you you felt like you were in the minors for a long time where did that come from for you it was from being in the minors for you know I was in there played four seasons in the minors and uh I like I thought I had some really good years in the minors and uh <clears throat> thought I proved myself and after four years I'd only played one NHL game and so I'm thinking I'm never going to get a chance and I'm looking at Michael Uten and then you know as as the years go by in the minors they're drafting other guys like they drafted Kay Whitmore in the second round one year and so I'm sitting there holy geez you know by time up you know if I ever get a chance you know all of a sudden they've got a high draft pick and you know, those high draft picks are going to get an opportunity. So I'm sitting there, you know, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. So I just started making plans to move on, I guess. We're going to get back to our conversation with Peter Sidorkowitz in a minute, but I want to ask you guys a question. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most service, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 a month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com. Or use the code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Now let's get back to our conversation with Peter Sidorkowitz. March 6, 1990, the Whalers trade Mike Liu to Washington. You become the number one goaltender officially. What was that move like for you? And was there any extra pressure in following in the footsteps of someone like Liu? I think there always is, but uh, the way things were going, I, you know, I, I thought I was having a good season that year and I was just, you know, obviously you don't have any control over what management does and stuff like that. So they decided to go with uh, myself and then they brought Kay Whitmore into the fold and all of a sudden went with two younger goalies. And, uh, you know, we just tried to make the best of it. And, you know, like I said, uh, you never know what, management is thinking or whatever and you just I it was almost like a little bit of a vote of confidence that uh you know that I could do the job so I was happy with that want to touch on maybe a dicey subject that 1990 playoff series with the Bruins uh, specifically game four you guys were up five two two to one in the series and you were up five two at the start of the third period Boston mounted its comeback what do you recall about that game and how the Bruins sort of turned the tables on you guys yeah, that was probably the worst game that ever happened you know, in my career. It was, you know, like we were up 2-1, like you said, in the series. We're up 5-2. We got the game in control. And I believe Boston got an early goal. And all of a sudden, like, you could just feel the, the momentum really swing. And we just couldn't get it stopped. And 
you know, unfortunately, you know, I think if we win that, win that game, we probably win the series, even though that series, that's the year we went seven games. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we had other opportunities, but uh, that was a big one because all of a sudden three, one, you go into Boston and then, you know, you got another home game coming and, like we just seemed to have all the momentum and in, in the span of 20 minutes, we lost it all. I spoke with Dave Poulin and he said, if that decisive goal he scored happened these days would have gone to instant replay. There's a good chance it would have been disallowed. Are you buying that? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, the rules have changed so many times and back in the day, you could run the goalie over, you could do whatever you want. And it was, it's a, it's a lot different. And at the end of the day, all it is is, whatever the rules are at that particular point, that's what you go by. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, there's a lot of, lot of things that would have changed in the course of history. You look at the Brad Hall goal that won the cup for the stars, the one year against Buffalo, that never would have counted, you know, cause he had his foot in the crease. So mm -hmm. they've changed the rules over the years. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, they, it was what it was. And we, we just, uh, you know, ended up being a tremendous loss for us. After the 91-92 season, you're claimed in the expansion draft by the Ottawa Senators. It brings your time in Hartford to an end. What sort of emotions did you have when you realized you were leaving the Whalers? Well, I, initially I was hoping to get picked up because uh, just before the end of that last season, uh, Hartford, uh, the Whalers traded for Frank Peterangelo and then they had Kay Whitmore. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew the writing on the wall. I ended up being the third guy that year, sat in the press box in the playoffs and Ain't a lot of ate a lot of Shane shows in uh, Montreal <laughs> in the forum <laughs> during the playoff series, but that was a great series, by the way. And Frank played a uh, tremendous in that series, but I, I knew my days were numbered in Hartford and um, you know, they were going another way. And I was just fortunate to get picked up by Ottawa and, you know, but I, I really enjoyed Hartford. It was a great four years when I was there, met a lot of great people on and off the ice. And, you know, it was just a great experience. One of the things that stood out for me in, in our previous conversations was the fact that I think you really enjoy the sense of camaraderie on those teams, uh, you know, it, and, and I'm going to kind of, I'll paraphrase your quote here that you gave me a, a few months ago, but you said, you know, a lot of times you end up playing with jerks in Hartford. We really didn't have that. No, we, we had a good bunch of guys and uh, a lot of the guys, they grew up together. So like, you know, I mentioned earlier, like there was all Samuelson, Dean Evison, uh, Kevin Deneen, Paul McDermott, and these guys, they started their pro career in Binghamton and then went to Hartford and they played together for a long time. And, uh, you know, they, I think when, uh, when players grow up together in an organization, you look at a lot of the successful organizations, they, you know, some, not all of them start in the minors, but, you know, a fair bit do. And all of a sudden they get to the NHL and they've been through the same thing. They all have the same kind of, uh, identity and you know how hard it is to get there and uh, I think they have a lot of respect for each other by by going through that all that stuff do you keep in touch with any of your old Hartford teammates uh no I haven't you know I would run into them here and there when I was coaching but uh not, not yeah I haven't seen anybody or talked to anybody for quite a while for a long time I um if, uh, Kay Whitmore I had a cottage up in uh in Ontario, not far from where Kay Whitmore had his. And uh, we'd get together once a summer. Like sometimes he'd come to my place or we'd go to his place. And But, uh, you know, that's that's been a long time now. 
What do you feel is the ultimate legacy of the Whalers? Is it the connection with the community that the players had? Is it the logo? Is it the song? What do you think is the most enduring thing that people think of when they look back well, I, on the history of the franchise? I think it's all of the three things just said, you know, the community and, you know, when, when a community loses their franchise, that's a tough thing. And a lot of people still embrace the Whalers. Their logo was, uh, I think it's priceless because if you look, you know, you'll see people, I'll be like, I, I'm here in, in, in Erie, Pennsylvania now. And it's like, you walk around, you, you'll see Whaler hats you know and it's like they've been gone for quite a while but uh it's a very unique logo and uh very basic like it doesn't there's nothing fancy about it but for some reason it's uh it's one of those things and i think when the franchise is gone sometimes it adds value to that to the logo and and the song like i know i talked to guys that you know, didn't play for the Whalers, but would come in and play against us. And they hated hearing that thing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it was kind of neat. It was neat. It, it was, you know, that was the identity for us. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Anyone that watched hockey, you know, in those days would know that song. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate you looking back at your time in Hartford giving us a few good stories. I, I want to give people a sense of where you are right now. What are you up to? Is there anything you want to plug? Anything you got going on? Uh, right now, I don't have much going on. I coached uh, for quite a while after I was done. I coached in Erie in the OHL for 14 years, and I was over in Austria for a few years for three seasons. And then I finished up in uh, Norfolk in the uh, ECHL a couple of years ago. But now when you're pushing 60, uh, it's a young man's uh, game again, you know, just like it, it was as a player. All of a sudden you look at it, all the coaches and stuff in, in all sports, not just hockey, but, you know, they, they're going younger and uh, it's tough. But, you know, you never know. Maybe I'll get back into the game here before before it's all over. Sounds good, Peter. Thank you so much again for taking the time to do this. And hopefully we can connect again somewhere down the road. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris.